This podcast covers mature, intense, morbid, and sometimes just scary stuff. Listener discretion is advised. What's the last great gift you can leave to your loved ones before passing on to the great beyond? Cleaning up your shit. Clean up your shit. (laughs) Yes, clean it up. Clean it up well. Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we cover topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. Today's episode might sound like it is for the dead, but trust me, it is very much for the living. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, North American culture seems to shy away from talking about death. American society tends to be a, a death-denying culture, a far cry from how death is integrated and observed in other countries. That's why we here at 30 More Minutes recommend breaking the ice by bringing up death whenever you possibly can. Yes, which we do. And right before we started recording, Jess just started doing this <laughs> mantra of death, death, death. death. I'm not joking. To get herself in the headspace, correct? <laughs> correct. Yes. Yeah, I'm there so now. You're comfortable with it. Kind of, maybe. Getting there. I like talking about it, but when I actually mm-hmm. do think about it, it scares me shitless, if I'm being honest. I think that's human. I think that's normal. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like we were saying, we put death physically and mentally away, out of sight, out of mind, into the little death cupboard. <laughs> Unlike, you know, Europeans, we spent the last couple centuries embalming our dead, you know, yep. trying to make them look as lifelike as possible after they died. The mm-hmm. funeral industry in the U.S. operates in a way that can be very different from other parts of the world. And, and in the U.S., people don't really die in their homes, and we certainly don't generally do wakes or funerals in our homes like we did 150 years ago. No, don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people do like to go peacefully in their own home, but it's not as, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah. And But even then, I think people are less and less dying in their Mm -hmm. homes. And like we made funeral homes that look like people's homes Mm -hmm. (laughs) for them to be interred at. Um, There are other ideological differences between the U.S. and the rest of the world and cultures. In places like India, where reincarnation is seen as a spiritual finish line, death is this gateway to enlightenment, not the end. Even New Orleans jazz funerals are no match to Dia de los Muertos, Mexico's Day of the Dead celebration. Death in America and end-of-life conversations are somewhat taboo. Maybe not for you if you're listening to this podcast or no. you're a fan of the ever-growing uh, true crime genre. We talk about death all the time. and Yeah, yeah. And I do think this is maybe like a millennial or Gen Z advent where, you know, true crime is so voyeuristic. and But it's like, it's someone else's death that yes. you're looking through a window at. It's not like confronting your own or someone you love. Like you get to be mm-hmm. this kind of passive consumer of death. Mm-hmm. There's a separation to it, yeah. Mm-hmm. In 2022, Ethos, which is one of the largest life insurance uh, providers in the U.S., held a survey and found that more than two-thirds of Americans say that discussing end-of-life preparations with family or loved ones is important, but fewer than half have actually done so. Do you have a will, Jess? If that's if I may ask, be so blunt to ask. No. I know that me and you have talked about many yeah. times on this podcast that we are in each other's will, uh, but I <laughs> have not that made it yet. Is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't made no same and and Ugh. like I think it's because we feel like we're such little babies, but we're not. No, we're not. I'm 35 years old. Yeah, I'm 37. Like we're not spring it's chickens not, anymore. Sis. No, these will. My doctor the other day said my my cholesterol was two points higher than average. She was like, I would have given you an A plus, but I gave you an A because it's two points higher. And I'm like, okay, well maybe I just what? ate too many fried pickles last night. What I, what what know, about it? 
I feel like everyone in our age demographic has high cholesterol. Like, is that just, I don't know what it is. Did, did the food in America change? Like, we just don't really realize that there's something oh. that changed, in, you know, chemically. Yeah, I mean, definitely, obviously our food, which was, that's actually something I was thinking about in the shower this morning is like talking about morbid topics in the future is like, talking about just like obesity and the, and the fact that America's food is the way that it is compared to other countries. It, to me, that is kind of a morbid thing. In my oh, opinion. yes. The chemicals that are in our food yes. compared to other countries that ban them. It's really sad. When people talk about going to Italy and they're like, I have a gluten intolerance, but I ate all the pasta there that I want. Yes. It's like, how did you do that? Why did you? I'm down to, we should, yeah. we should talk about should it look in into the future. It. We'll look into it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So like Jess said, Ethos did this survey. Mm -hmm. um, and they also found that Americans are thinking about death more than they have been in the past. So, yeah, maybe true crime is responsible for this. I don't know. But there's another thing that's responsible, which we're going to get to. Yeah. Um, specifically, over the last two years, wink, wink, 50% of Americans have said that death has been increasingly on their minds. Yeah, which makes sense. You know, we just came out of like a global pandemic. The conversation surrounding death surged kind of overnight. <laughs> Yeah, I think the pandemic was a very eye-opening. Death is at your doorstep for the first time mm -hmm. experience. No, yeah. And I mean, also the media, you know, portraying like my my grandpa who lives in New York was just saying like there was a hospital right down the street from him that there were just so many bodies overflowing that they were just, they had to set up tents in the street to like, it, it was just, you know, you're just thinking about it a lot. Thinking about yeah. it a lot. I also feel like we all kind of became scientists because we're doing our own COVID tests. <laughs> <Yes>. And <laughs> like, it, it's like we have a, I have a test tube here and I'm sticking shit up my nose. It's so, we, what a strange time. <laughs> what a strange time. And also I think things like, like pandemics, those are things that we, we in our very privileged position, position in the Western world, the developed world, we like, we put those in, in a basket of like, well, that happens in other countries in the world that yeah. aren't as developed as ours necessarily. Like things like malaria, like we don't think that's not an issue for us yep. that you might walk outside and get bit and die. Like, but no. this was a, oh no, like this could happen to me and it's yes. happening to young people. It's happening to everyone. So yeah, yeah, that's a great perspective. You're right. We are very privileged over here of just like not having to worry about so many of those type of things. Yeah. But now 23% of those Americans surveyed in the um, ethos survey uh, said that they think about death on a daily basis. And it seems that Gen Z thinks about death the most of any generation. I was thinking of, you know, queuing Barbie's famous question. Do you guys ever think about dying? <laughs> Favorite. It was so great. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, I mean, it is. It's just like we do. It's it's so spot on for yeah. today's. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then here's the big kicker. Okay, there are a ton of other taboo topics that Americans would rather talk about than death. Mm. Uh, it is at the very, very bottom of that list. 81% of Americans surveyed would rather talk about money, followed by mental health at 58%, sex at 46%. I just keep thinking you're like a cocktail hour just talking about sex. Like, hey, what do you do in the bed? Uh, politics at 42% and religion at 41%. Only 32% would rather talk about death. That's wild to me because I know a lot of people who would rather talk about death than politics. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> especially, well, especially in America. Especially um, recently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this mentality, this aversion to discussing death or planning for it, it can present real problems for our next of kin down the road, which just 
Nina, your turtle, <laughs> with that that lack of a will. <laughs> what and I don't know. I think I sent it to you, but um, James, my husband, he sent me this video of this turtle that had lived to like some. 70 years old or something. And then he, yes. he just sent it to me and wrote Jessica <laughs> underneath it. <laughs> I love that. Like, he's not going to send it to me. He's just going to pass it through yeah, you to send yeah. to me. No, but there's many times I joke, uh, joke around with Devin. I was like, she might outlive us. You know, like this might be an issue. <laughs> Does that make you sad? <laughs> well, I really, there's a part of me that thinks like there's a 12 year old boy that loves reptiles. That's going to love her and hopefully oh. give her a beautiful rest of her life. So no, I don't. I just, I know that she'll be taken care of. I also really hope that I, that she doesn't outlive us. What if this 12 year old boy doesn't want your dusty ass old turtle? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to make sure she's clean. So she won't okay. be dusty. Okay. And, um, I'll just lie about her age. Good, good, good. I mean, if so, God forbid you went before me, I'd take Nina. Would you really? Yeah, hundred percent. A hundred percent. Oh my I god, would. Remy and Nina would be friends. Well, he's long dead, Jessica. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. See, that's morbid. Morbid as hell. You know, I I made a Twitter. I made a tweet once, an X once, uh, <laughs> about how I wish that that one of the you know life's cruel jokes is that dogs don't live as long as people. Yeah. And then you know, I wish a dog lived the same length of time as a human's lifespan. And then somebody re responded to me and said, yes, but imagine if a dog lived for 90 years, but then you, its owner, lived for only 70. And then that dog had to live without you. And I was like, oh, that is real sad. Yeah, that is actually very true. And the fact that we obviously have greater intelligence um, and can handle our emotions better in that way. It's like if you were to ha give a dog a new owner – they're always going to remember you and yes. always long for their original owner. Yeah. That's just how yep. it is. I, ugh, something you. that breaks my heart is like dogs that lie on their oh, previous the owners. Yeah. Yes. Or yes. their grave or yeah, yes. that's the worst. That is the worst. Let's it's, let's change the subject and talk about but, people okay, dying. Okay, you're right. Copy <laughs> that. Yeah, I'd rather talk about humans dying. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. So not planning or discussing your death can pose real problems, right? Yes. And it usually amounts to the living trying to haphazardly pick up after the dead. And I mean, to put it plainly, if you're older and you die and you didn't make any provisions, you're leaving your family in the lurch. Yes. I see so many posts on Reddit from people who lost a parent or an older family member, and they do not know what to do with their stuff. Their finances might be completely out of whack. Or even they like, they're like, my family member died and I do not know what to do with their remains. Yes. You know? Even that. That's... And that's so, it makes the situation of them passing just so much harder. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this has sparked a lot of guides about what to do if you're taking care of a loved one's uh, posthumous affairs, which is which is great. Which it's like, I love that there's a guide literally for everything you can think of. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Including and death. <laughs> I, I will say I am in love with this new website that was brought to my attention by a Funhouse community member, Barfay. Mm -hmm. um, this website, www.deadparentswhatnow.com, <laughs> uh, which if you go to it, the, the header is my parents are dead. Now what? And yeah. it's this website made by like a 30 something year old who lost both of their parents within three years. And <sighs> gosh, it is. Yeah. Jess, you want to tell them about it? Yeah, this site does not pull any punches and has a very straightforward guide with links to info, um, like what to do with the body or what to do if your parents are dead and you can't prove it or how to cope with the immediacy of it all. Yeah, um, I see I, a lot of people on Reddit being like, my, you know, the government doesn't, I, I 
I'm still getting like this this thing about my mother, and I like I've told them like she died two years ago, and there's oh, this paper trail is all messed up or what you know what have you. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, no, I <clears throat> I actually have not clicked the link, and I don't know if I will. Maybe I will. Losing my parents is one of my biggest fears, and I don't know if that's just because. I know that's a big fear for a lot of people. Um, mine, like I, I tell my partner all the time, I'm like, if my parents die, I will no longer like be a person anymore. I don't know if it's because I come from a divorced family. I don't know. I always blame my divorced family on everything. But there's just some weird thing where I'm like, I would be just, kind, I don't know. I wouldn't be a person anymore if they died. So I'm like, ugh. Yeah. It's a fear of mine. Big one. I saw this. I mean, and granted, this is not at all anyway, like a benchmark for everybody. But I saw this this statement once and it was something along the lines of like, it takes a year to get over a parent, the death of a parent, two years to get over the death of an animal and never to get over the death of a child. Like it was like some, oh, you know, God. parsing. Up, yeah. Like which I can't I don't have, have children, but I can't even imagine like that yeah. loss. Mm-hmm. I just I just think you're probably like forever changed. How do you ever overcome that? I think about that a lot of, you know how there's that saying of like dying of a broken heart. The people that have lost their child, God forbid, geez, is uh, I don't I don't know how. Like I was like, I would absolutely die immediately of a broken heart. I just don't even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, anyway. Let's talk more about old people. <laughs> yeah. God, we just keep this. A, it's a morbid time yeah, here today. Yeah. It's a morbid episode, but yeah, so that website is very blunt and to the point, but it kind of works in my opinion, because I think that when you are confronted with such a reality, you're like, I yep. just need to get st- straight to the point here. Yeah. Yeah. How to deal with this. Yeah. And there are tools and sources online and elsewhere about what to do after the fact, if you're struggling to manage somebody else's messy affairs and, and loose ends after death. But Elise, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. I agree. And <laughs> arguably there is. Enter Margareta Magnusson, a woman who is, in her words, somewhere in age between 80 and 100. Hmm. And the world-traveled artist and author of the book, The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning. The title in its original printed language is Dostadning. Do is Swedish for death and stadning means cleaning. So quite literally death cleaning. And I 100% butcher that. Did not look up the pronunciation. Should have. Please correct us. <laughs> Oh, in the it. comments section, we don't have. <laughs> but please send us your corrections. Please do. Yeah. Um, while there is a TV show adaptation that takes real life individuals and helps them death clean, we're focusing on Magnuson's original guide. So the book is a guide and a kind of like a how to on getting your life in order and preparation for when your own death comes. Yes. And it sounds morbid but we promise it's really not. And I know we just got real dark with a lot of things, but no, this is not. It's not sad, though Magnuson does reflect on the death cleaning she's done for her loved ones, including her husband of 48 years who passed away. After his death, she got rid of a lot of his things and their mutual belongings and downsized their home. Yeah, that process took her about a year. Yeah, and looking back, she thinks it was easier for her to do it alone so as not to be overcomplicated by her husband or her kids telling her to save certain things. You know, you get too many cooks in the kitchen. And For one, sure. you might think one thing is not worth it, but then someone else is like, no, we got to keep that. And then you just end up keeping everything. Yep. And Magazine's fundamental belief is that people should take care of these sorts of things while they're alive so that the future process is easier for those who go on living. 
to preemptively lighten the burden on your loved ones when you pass, which seems like a very caring thing to do. Yeah. And for the individual, it's an exercise in letting go. Magnuson in her teachings has been described as the Marie Kondo of death <laughs> because you really can't take it all with you. Yeah, you, know? you you really can't, you know, w- which means like you should think about downsizing and adopting a more minimalistic lifestyle. I, I need to take my own advice and take that because I need that. And I think like we're going to talk about this, but it, it's like a stages of life thing. We are in the consumption stage of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, we're young and we're acquiring. And I think that's just part of being younger. It's like you're building your world around you. Mm-hmm. But a big part of her process and her method is coming to terms with aging and your own mortality. And also just like taking time to sit with and reflect on grief. When Magnuson was helping her father clean out his home and move after her mother passed, she came across all these notes her father and mother had left on items indicating what should happen to them. And in this sort of strange way, she kind of found these notes comforting. Overall, Magnuson says that death cleaning will help you in the now. In her words, death cleaning is not about dusting or mopping up. It's about a permanent form of organization that makes your everyday life run more smoothly. Yeah, it's almost like it's like it's just more sexy, you know, couched as death cleaning, but it's just it's really just organization and not being a, a you know, hoarder and yeah, really just kind of culling your life and removing the things that you don't actually need. Yeah. And ideally, you know, when you're dead and gone, it, it it's the last final gift that you can give to your family and friends. But right now it's a solution to, you know, clutter and excess. I'm, I just keep thinking about myself right now. (laughs) I just, I'm just like, God, you have a lot of stuff. I no, I'm not a hoarder in any way, but like, and thank God to Devin because he, um, he's a, he's a neat freak. He's very, very clean. Um, and I've gotten a lot better with like, I still have a huge tub in my closet that's sitting right next to me of stuff from high school that I only look at anytime I move and mm-hmm. I'll just like go through mm-hmm. it when I move and then mm-hmm. it stays there. And I'm like, I don't freaking need this shit anymore. I just need to let it go. Can I tell you about, I have a similar bin, but not high school, but it's like different jobs and offices I've worked at where like, oh, all my like tchotchkes and trinkets and stuff that I've had at my desk or like different things I've had at those desks uh-huh. get in, get put in this bin <laughs> and then just like put out of sight and out of mind, there's like, you know, dumb like toys and other like, oh, maybe I had this organizer for scissors and pens or something. And it's now it's like all in this bin. And I, I know this bin is there, but I try to pretend like it's not there. Yes. Same. I think yeah. we do that a lot. I don't know why we do it, but it's mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't declutter, get rid of everything. It's it's a lot like the condo method. It practices donating and or disposing of items that you don't really need, uh, be it on physical or an emotional level. Yeah. And thankfully for us, she's not saying to get rid of all your stuff and live like a monk or just like throw out everything that has meaning to you. This is not like get rid of all your worldly possessions, you know, live a pure minimalist lifestyle. There's a system and a thought process to it. And yes, do not remove things that make your life more pleasant or comfortable, but be mindful of beautiful And useless things that take up space. (laughs) Kind of like the hosts of this podcast. (laughs) Um, It's us. Yeah. (laughs) It's us. In the iconic and immortal words of better homes and gardens, not only will Swedish death cleaning pay a favor to your family and friends someday down the line, but your quality of life in the present might just improve as well. Yes. The process allows you to be mindful about what you actually need. It's an opportunity to get rid of things that are associated with bad memories while honoring the good. 
And if you do this while you're active and able, it should theoretically help you out in the long run when you're really old and maybe not as capable. Yeah. That's how I say it. Yeah, do it while you are able, which may prompt you to ask, who should be death cleaning exactly? (laughs) Who's this for? And we will talk about that right after a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Factor. Jess, we were just talking about how busy and overwhelmed we are right now. Oh, yeah. And the holidays are here. Dear Lord, help us. Yes. There's so much to happen. We need fuel to keep our bodies running, sustained. And thankfully, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help us eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to our door. I just got mine before the podcast started, Jess. Oh my God. I've been eating Factor for, I think it's been about a year. I waver between <laughs> four to six meals a week, just depending on you know how crazy that week will be. But um, I'm not kidding. It has saved my life numerous oh times. You are a protein pro. Yes, I, I usually go for protein plus. Yeah, I'll go for uh, protein plus or calorie smart personally, just because my goals are, you know. Which, can you explain to everybody what protein plus is like in, in yeah. the grand scheme of the, sh- the factor yeah, meals? Yeah, yeah. So like uh, protein is, I was going to say like the new hit thing these days, but it's always a thing. It's like eating enough protein. I mean, you think of the cavemen and women back in the day, protein was it, you know, it helps fuels our mm-hmm. body and muscles and give and keeps us fuller for a lot longer. So Factor actually has a protein plus option um, where you can get like uh, like 30 grams of protein or more per serving, which is fantastic. And then if you want to like reduce calories too, they have Calorie Smart, which they're usually like 550 calories or less per serving, uh, which is great for me personally because I'm looking to um, I'm looking to reduce calories and I'm looking to eat a lot of protein too. So it's just really nice that somebody is taking the guesswork out of nutrition for you. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like you don't have to think about it. And Factor isn't just for dinner. It's it's just a convenience, right? It is. So I opened my box of Factor meals just now and I had some smoothies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took a smoothie out and immediately was like, yes, yeah. this is going to get me through the rest of my morning. Awesome. They're made with the coconut milk and I love it. Oh, yes. So easy. With Factor, you can rest assured that you are making a sustainable choice they offset 100% of their delivery emissions and source 100% renewal electricity from their production sites and offices. This December, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Trust me, it's worth it. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavored packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. So head to factormeals.com slash 30MM50 and use code 30MM50 to get 50% off. That's code 30MM50 at factormeals.com slash 30MM50 to get 50% off. Microdose. 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 Microdosing. Microdosing. We all know about it. It's becoming so much more popular every single day. All sorts of people are microdosing to feel healthier and perform better. Absolutely. So let's talk microdosing. Do you, you mm-hmm. know, you know that just right feeling when your body and mind are really at peace, like after a workout or a nice long shower, when you're relaxed yes. and focused? I, that's my favorite person time. Mm-hmm. I feel the best. Yeah. Yes. And microdosing can help you get into that zone easier and stay in that zone, that nice little warm place a lot longer. So why would you microdose? Yes. Tell us, please. Why would you? I personally would because... <laughs> Hello, it's me, anxiety. Uh, I have a lot of anxiety. And because of that, I have a lot of pain and muscle tension, specifically around my shoulders area. 
Yes. I have like, I have tight muscles. I, there's no better or other way to say it, but I just got tight muscles. And something like microdosing, it will help you just relax in a in a way that, you know, you still feel like you're in the moment, right? Yeah. I personally like to do mine at night um, for- Just to sleep. Well, mainly like after work. So like sometimes it's hard to disconnect between work and uh, just like, okay, I'm at home now and I need to like calm down. And so to like help boost my mood, especially if I've had a long day or a bad day yes. and just relaxation and just living in the moment. Sometimes I go way too fast into zombie mode in the night because I'm trying so hard to like turn my brain down, but it does help with yeah. like focusing and just living in that moment, but being in a nice state. Yes. I know like sometimes you don't want to take like a full gummy or anything like that, but just a little dose of THC. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I I get that way where I'm like, I just want to feel a little bit relaxed. Yeah. Just the perfect amount. You don't want to go to space, but... Yes, yes. So to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code 30MM to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com, code 30MM. Microdose.com, code 30MM for 30% off. Okay, we're back. So who is the right candidate for death cleaning? Well, anyone really, but you might be more inclined to if you're a little bit older. Borderline geriatric, basically. <laughs> but if you're looking to lead a more minimalist lifestyle, you can certainly embrace this ideology at any age. Yeah, man. The entire time they could just all of this. I, there's been so many times where me and Devin are like, we're going to live a minimalistic lifestyle all the time. I'm like, I don't need that over there. I don't need that. What do We don't really need a lot of things. Oh, anyway, I, yeah, I wish. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm in my office right now recording. There's, there's stuff everywhere. I'm looking around. I'm, <laughs> toys, things on the Just, wall. The walls are all covered. It's uh, but mm-hmm. in Magnuson's observations, women tend to death clean more, which tracks as cleaning of any kind is cursed to fall under the category of women's work. Yeah, it's like shock. I am not <laughs> shocked. <laughs> um, yeah. And I would say that's in a more traditionalist sense. That attitude is thankfully kind of shifting with younger generations. Um, Still, it should be noted that women tend to clean and provide those caregiver roles more. So ultimately, women end up absorbing a lot of this burden. Women are also statistically, uh, they live longer than men. So the Mm -hmm. added time on earth consequently means we're picking up the slack. Yeah. (laughs) Which like, oh, it's like, oh, great. I get to live longer. Oh, but I got to deal with all his shit. All of his shit still. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't to say that you can't tap others for advice and perspective if you're, you know, a single gal uh, with a dead husband. (laughs) 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 And maybe you know someone who's death cleaned firsthand and you want to know if it's a good idea to give your teenage grandson a samurai sword. (laughs) It it probably isn't, but you can ask. It doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. Um, but you can also just ask others for help in the process in general, that you might find it easiest to tackle it on your own. Magnuson did when it came to cleaning up after the death of her husband. Yeah. Like we said earlier, she was like, this would have been too hard if I had other people intervening. And it took her about a year. And as she put it, she would have asked her husband for help, but he was dead. <laughs> she. The book is so funny. Um. It's great. Just the way you said it, but he was dead. So yeah, that didn't that's work. That's how I read it when I, yeah. I was like, oh, she's, yeah. she's got such a great wit. But looking back, she thinks it was easier to handle everything solo as death cleaning by committee can complicate things. Yeah. And all that being said, you can let your friends and family know that you're starting to do this because they might come to you and be like, oh, you're death cleaning. Well, let me take that lamp off your hands. 
Mm. You know, that vintage Tiffany lamp. Or were you going to get rid of that painting? Like they might come to you and preemptively offer to take stuff from you. Yeah. Another suggestion if you need help is to reach out to an auctioneer or an auction house, especially if you think you might have rare items or valuables. It usually doesn't cost anything. They just take a commission off the sale. And now, so this is something that I'm like, I don't know if this is very specific to Sweden or maybe Magnuson is was in this kind of like bracket of her income or life where she's like, oh, I actually have things that an auction house would want. But trust me, I have nothing that <laughs> an auction house would be like, oh, yeah. Um, I would say maybe maybe the more like American thing or what I see more is people doing estate sales. Okay. Too. So yeah. like it's kind of a garage sale, but maybe like for more of your stuff. You yeah. put it all out in your yard or you actually let people come through your home. That usually yeah. happens when someone dies, though. But I suppose you could do an estate sale while you're still alive. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. you could. I guess so. Yeah. Um, um. Now, so, okay, if you're going to get into the swing of things, we have some tips via Magnuson. But I would say read her book, okay, because it's it's so much more than what we can offer you right now. It's very witty and poignant and enjoyable. It's It's more than just a guide. Yeah, it sounds like I just need to read it for my own current life now. Uh, <laughs> like, just I mean, it, I think it would. I think Devin would appreciate it too. Yeah, um, you need the Swedish guide to live in cleaning. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. But where to start? You know, Magnuson suggests by knowing and mapping out what you will need to keep. So having a general idea of what is important to you. Yes, yeah, so then you get to work with that gu- with that map. Basements, attics, anywhere that you use as a storage hub. That's where you're going to find inessential stuff that you do not use on a daily basis because you've hidden it out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. Magnuson also likes to call her closet and get rid of clothes. And if you're older, there are some clothes you might not really use anymore, like a ski suit. Yeah, karate ski. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And she's a big advocate for compartmentalizing and categorizing. So like dividing all your stuff into categories. That way you can think of it in that way and start with the easy stuff, things you don't really care about getting rid of. Jess mentioned, you know, clothes are mm-hmm, easy. Mm-hmm. I, I know I'm always like turning over that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And just keep the stuff that you would wear or, if, you know, if there's a big sentimental value, like it's a wedding dress, that makes sense. But otherwise, if you don't wear it, and that's hard because I do this just where I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe down the road I'll have an occasion for this yep. dress. But then- yep. The occasion comes up and then you just get something new anyway. Yes. I think you know? about that all the time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Do you still have your wedding dress? I assume you do. I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I could fit into it, but I <laughs> Yeah. I'm hoping like wine gets spilled on mine and I'm like, oh, I had a great time. Look at this wine on it. Anyway. Uh, so you can look back at the wine stain. Yeah. Looks like I had a great bride. Time. Yeah. Just a clumsy bride. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you get uh, to your other household items, you may approach this in a similar fashion. So parsing down to what you really need and giving away, selling, or donating the rest. Or maybe if you're selling your home and downsizing to a smaller place, you can leave some tools behind for the new homeowner. Yeah, if you don't need a lawnmower, you don't have a lawn anymore. Yeah. And just downsizing your living space tends to be a factor of old age. So if you're leaving behind a home that has like a big lawn or whatever, leave the gardening tools 
you know, yep. or donate them or leave. If you were a wood, you did a lot of woodworking, but you're not going to do that in your new condo or whatever. Leave that stuff. Yeah, it's actual. Also, I feel like it'll make you feel good just to like help other people and be like, here's something. This is kind gesture. It's mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Um, but unlike the ancient Egyptians who were buried in tombs full of their beloved possessions and trinkets, you can't take that with you. This is mm-hmm. especially true if you're a collector who spent the better part of your lifetime amassing a unique collection, maybe stamps or fine china. For our generation, it'll probably be like Pokemon cards. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Call no, the wait, auctioneer. For- yeah. And I actually just went to the museum the other day and I, I we wanted to look at like the King Tut's uh, exhibit. Um, and it, they had a, a, a replica of like what he was buried in. Uh, this is King uh, Tutankhamun. And the, in, we've talked about this before in other episodes about just like all their possessions and everything. And they did like a replica of like everything that was in his tomb. And I was just looking at it. And I was like, none of this stuff is important. They're like toys, again, trinkets, stuff like that. And then it made me go down this dark hole of like materialism. And I was like, when did this start with us as humans? Just collecting things and hoarding just things that don't mean anything. I just always think about like cave people, the hunter gatherers. And, you know, maybe you initially you started gathering berries, but then Uh you were like, those pine cones look kind of fun. <laughs> like, yeah, is that what they thought? Elise? That's what I thought. They that thought pine cone. This is because you're collecting pine cones. That's a splash of color. <laughs> don't <laughs> hey, don't bring my pine cone collection into this, Jess. <laughs> but they just thought, oh, that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, so they, that's probably what they said. Hmm. Is oh, that's fun. You know? And then they were like, well, Grok's got pine cones, and like, look yeah. at Grok's pine cone collection. Fucking I don't rock. have pine cones, so I want it's sometimes it's keeping yep. up with the Joneses sort of it thing. It is, which is a human, it is a human thing. Yeah. We're competitive and just I, that's yeah. just how we are. And I also think it's like human nature to carve out your homestead and to show your it's mm-hmm. like a probably a psychological security thing where it's like if I have the most, then people can't harm me. Others can't yeah. harm me or it's yeah. 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 But um, yeah, so if you can't take them to an auction or sell them, give your collectibles to family if they don't want them or trash them because maybe they don't want your trash. That's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a fun section of the book, though, about unwanted gifts. Apparently in Sweden, a lot of people keep something called a fullscap, fullscap, which roughly translates to cabinet for the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> right, <so> this way. <laughs> I, I want to use that in my life. Like, yeah. That's what my freaking bin in here is. It's a fullscap. It's my yeah. cabinet of ugly shit that I just don't don't look at it. <laughs> yeah, I just think of like Stefan from SNL. Like this, <laughs> this yeah. club has everything: a full scap, a cabinet for all your ugly gifts. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, and so this is literally what it is. It is a cupboard full of gifts that you hate. You can't stand <laughs> to look at them. You don't like them, but you only bring them out when the person who gave them to you comes over. Yep, Magnuson does not advocate for the full scap. Mm-mm. She's like, just get rid of gifts you don't want. Okay. Yep. Like, just get rid no. of them. The whole, no. don't feel guilty. The whole thing is like somebody gave it to you. But after that, it's what you choose to do. Yeah. It's so funny because like, even with my, my tub of high school stuff, high school is not a fun time for me. Like yeah. that is, that was not a good time for me. I was bullied, but yet I still have it just because of why, like that's yeah. my ugly cabinet. Yeah. Oh Lord. That's your full scab. Now for maybe the trickiest part of your dress cleaning, what to do with all of the photographs, save report cards, kids art documents, and other memories of value. Yeah. So this you have to leave for last because this can be very overwhelming. You might just hit a full stop if you try to tackle this too early on. Yeah. And when it comes to photographs, they can be tough due to sentimentality, but Magnuson says 
remember your memories and your families are not always the same. What one family member might think is is worth saving, another might find completely uninteresting. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I always think about digitizing photos. I think yeah. that like your kids probably don't need all these photos from like maybe extended family that's no longer alive that mm-hmm. they never got to meet her. But I think like if you can digitize them, it's a cool relic to have. Um, yeah. So maybe digitize the photos or documents that you care less about and then keep the hard copies of the stuff that's most valued. And yeah, you can offer them to your kids, but then let them decide what they think is valuable. Or sometimes you might just want to hang on to old photographs, not for sentimentality, but because of the historical value they have. Right, Jess? Yes. In 2026, photographs will have been around for 200 years, which isn't that long in the grand scheme of things. As time goes on, preserving and passing down old photographs between generations may carry more and more weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's cool to be able to look back at old photographs. And even if you don't know the people, but, you know. Even if you don't know the people. Even if you don't know the people. <laughs> it's a, a time capsule. Yes. So wrapping things up, while she is certainly a proponent for minimalism, there's one universal message Magnuson seems to impart across her teachings, and that is that life is for the living, so live it, you know? Don't get consumed by the death cleaning that you don't buy and keep the things that you enjoy, okay? There's no one right way. The only right way is whatever's right for you. That's true. Mm-hmm. And so if that means hoarding, do it. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... You know, but if you like collecting stuff, collect it, okay? Like, just, you can't be consumed by your death that you don't live. That's very true. So, yeah, currently dealing with this kind of in my life right now, my nanny, my great-grandma, used to have these Hummel figurines. They're kind of just like, some of them are children. I think they're mainly children. If you just look them up, it's like H-U-M-M-E-L. Oh, yeah, I know these. Okay, you do. Okay. So she had a whole collection of them. I even remember going to her house in New York whenever I was young and just like this whole grand, clear, uh, beautiful glass case of them. And uh, when she passed, some of them went down to my uh, grandma. And then from there, my grandma is she's kind of doing some death cleaning herself right now. Um, And she's given some of them to my dad and to my uncle. And my dad even gave me one that has um, one of the characters like looking through like an an old film camera. And he's like, I wanted to give this to you as a a thing of like, here's, they're from your nanny, but also like this one seems to align with you and what you do and everything. And I was like, that's very sweet. And granted, I don't want all of them. So when he goes, if he tries to pawn them off to me, I don't want every single one of them because there are (laughs) tons of them, but Uh I'll take a few just to like- How many would you estimate? She probably had about a hundred. And I know that they are worth money nowadays. Uh, I don't know what my dad plans to do with them. At one point, she just stopped collecting them because she was like, okay, she didn't, she literally didn't have any more room for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then my previous aunt, who is no longer in the family anymore, she sold a bunch of them. We actually had more. Right now, I, we have a hundred, but she sold a lot of them when she was bitter in the divorce with my uncle. <laughs> she just <laughs> Damn. did not give a shit. It's yeah, always the hummels that suffer. Right. You know? See, exactly. The thing um, that I find so fascinating about these, like, like a woman like your your grandmother collecting something like these Hummel dolls, because they're like they're dolls essentially. You mm-hmm, know, they're like mm-hmm. little figurines. And yeah. and I don't know when she was born, but I know there's like a whole generation that collected that sort of stuff. That they were like Depression era kids. Yep. And yep. they didn't have toys. They didn't have this kind of stuff. And then as adults, they collect this stuff. Barbara Streisand, not Depression era. 
but yep. she she has a whole um in her home her whole basement is styled like a it's basically made to look like little shops like a little mini mall where she can mm. store all of her dolls and collectibles and I don't remember exactly but I think it comes from like growing up poor and you know not having i might be completely wrong she may have been like a really wealthy kid and she's like i just want to keep being wealthy forever (laughs) Um, yeah yeah but i think it if my memory serves it came from i was a poor kid and this is like my way of living that out now as an adult and i think that was probably the case for a a whole generation of people damn yeah does anybody in your family collect things Mm, my mom will like collect coins Mm. you know like but i think it's like she thinks like they'll have value someday like oh this interesting coin from this place and um i yeah do you personally collect anything no there was a time when i was younger of course with the beanie baby craze i was like oh but that was a complete they scam (laughs) (laughs) like i accumulate things because i like them but i don't specifically collect one thing because i think it's going to have value or i'm trying to collect all of it i do think we come from a generation two where um, there's so much mass consumerism that you're God. less likely to find things that are, there's a finite amount of them. There's yep. just so much mass production. That's insane. So it's getting harder to, you know, when uh, 75 years ago, it was like, oh, there were only a hundred of this thing made. Yep. Or yep. Did, or people weren't in a collector's mindset. It made mm-hmm. more sense, but. Yeah. I'll also say everybody get your shit together, mm-hmm. you know, just get yeah, your shit together. Shit. If not for you, for someone you love. Mm-hmm. 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 And uh, which isn't to say that you shouldn't, I know we said, we talked a lot about getting rid of clothes, Jess, in this, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I can think of some clothes you should acquire, and that is our t-shirts and hoodies. Oh, yes, uh, dude. Get rid of other clothes to make room for those. Yes, you need to make room for, man, I love our merch. I really do. I do. I do. And it's, I like that it's like, I see our personalities in it. Yeah. And I actually get compliments on them. It's not just like a shitty piece of merch you know it's actually like good merch (laughs) and i'm always so happy because like my coworkers at funhouse they'll be like wearing 30 more minutes merch and i'm like oh that's so cool you guys oh 100 like bk um bk of inside gaming uh at rooster teeth she i I did on the spot with her which is another rooster teeth show and uh i don't think she did it on purpose she was wearing one of our shirts and i was like did you wear that she's like oh i didn't really i didn't know no i didn't wear it for you i was like i love that that, that, that everybody's just getting because it's like a cool shirt regardless yeah and they're wearing it out of the spooky season too which you can as well if you go to store.roosterteeth.com and then you go to like the podcast tab i think it is yes and then we're right at the top there yeah hell yeah and you can check out all of our stuff there and you can follow us on social media at 30 morbid minutes on tiktok and instagram because we post little bite-sized morbid facts on there to check it out and then also be a first member we would Mm -hmm. love for you to be a first member it directly supports us um and you get extra cool unique uh perks for following us we do a movie watch party once a month we do. And um, we just do some other cool stuff that you get access to. One, I think I've talked about this in an episode. Not, not one of these days I want to do a live stream with Elise making voodoo dolls together. I know. I know. Maybe I'd like January. We, should plan for <laughs> we could do that. I know. I think it'd be really fun. But you guys can do it with us. You can, We'll get our crafts together and we'll be Keatsies and do yeah. it. But if you're a first member. <laughs> so lo- right now, lock down whoever in your life you're feeling particularly vengeful against <laughs> in preparation. And we'll let you know the date. Hell on social. Yeah. And you can go to 30mm.show slash first 
to sign up there and support us directly, which we really, really appreciate it because it keeps this podcast going. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Elise. Well, Jessica. Bad bye. Bad bye for now until uh, you're cleaning up my shit. I know. I was going to say until <laughs> I have to clean up your shit. Ah, oh, dang it. <laughs>